All right, social media family, thank you for joining us once again for another installment in the Lessons from David series. Now, we are on lesson 16 tonight, lesson 16. And the title, subtitle is The Danger of Prosperity. The Danger of Prosperity. So this is going to be an interesting one right here tonight. So to lead off, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we're looking at the story of David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11. Starting at verse 1. Right, I'll be coming from the New Living Translation. And it reads like this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and led siege to the city of Reb. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of the bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he told, he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Now, as we can see, a lot transpired in them first, the first five verses there. Right. Now, going back to the subtitle, The Danger of Prosperity. Now, looking at that, does that sound like, just from a, from a natural perspective, does it sound like an oxymoron? Prosperity and danger are these two things that we often put together. No, not generally. But you know who you're talking to now, Andrew's people. So mm -hmm. and you know who you're talking to. So. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so you notice in that first verse where it says, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and led siege to the city. So he sent the army and they handled their business. But the last verse says, the last part of the verse says, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So that opened the door for what? For all of this other, all these other sequences of events to happen. Reading verse 2 again, it says, late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of the bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. 
and as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So in verse one, it says, when the kings normally go out to war. So as the king, this is something that that's his post. Right. For when when there are battles, he's he's the one that is out there being the general. Handling things like giving direction. But in this case. He sent Joab, he sent the army. But he laid back. Took a little vacation. Right. So now on on the surface, it's like, okay, well, that in and of itself, could it be that bad? But as you see, as we continue to read, that opened the door for all the this this whole other sequence of events to happen. I do know, like, Andrew will talk about it, and I didn't know this, I mean, for years, probably some of us here didn't, that even in the garden, I was going to say, like, work is good, you know, and to stay, you know, good, busy, because you said even Adam, you know, before when it was a perfect earth, he still had a job of tending the garden. Work is good, it's a God-given thing, you know, and I think when we get the idle hands, they say, hey, just say it that way, it's like, you know, it's not good for any of us to just be not do anything. And when we get prosperous, I think prosper prosperity is a wonderful thing. But if you get to where you're just stagnant, you're not doing anything. You know, it's like a balance that God wants us to have. So I think you know some of us may have come from like the super religious. You can't have anything. You know, God doesn't want you to have anything. You're evil if you do. It's like, no, of course not. But you know, just make sure we're tending to what we need to tend to. You know, staying busy for God. I mean, you know, it's kind of busy. Right. But my generation came up on that, what you just said, you know, that prosperity, having a whole lot. Yeah. You know, you didn't pursue it. Your generation is like, hey, you know what? I'd be broke. And there's nothing wrong with prosperity, but even with the, the title is the danger of prosperity. Well, you may ask that, what's dangerous? How can prosperity be that? How can success, you know, be dangerous? You know, what's bad about, you know, having more than enough or yeah. being prosperous in this area, that area, you know, what could be so dangerous about it? because anything I think we think that some kind of think people, all prosperity is really good. You know, why would it be dangerous? And of course we know not all prosperity is yeah. good. You know, I mean, I guess it all depends on how you approach and handle it. The balance. Yeah, the balance, but you know, you as we see it, there's some things. Right, complacent. And I just go, I mean, lazy and mm -hmm. he did. He's like, oh, set out the army when he should have been about his business. But but that in and of itself isn't what caused him to go take another man's wife. It's like, oh, go find out who she is. Oh, she's married. Okay, whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, then why did he inquire who she was? Just go grab her and that's it. I mean, oh, she's the wife of so-and-so. And it never crossed his mind. When did he turn into that person? Wow. Let's see. You opening up a different element to this. Well, because to me, prosperity, its that's not the problem. It's what happened when I, I don't have the answer. Mm -hmm. When did he become There's dishonorable? 
in different areas of your life. All we think about when we hear prosperity is money. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying prosperity. prosperity um, prestige, you know, which comes from the money, but still it's all these areas that prosperity has the terms. Yeah, but David's prosperity was, was the money. David was successful in right. war. See? So David was like, okay, I don't need to go out there. My my dudes got this, you know. Yeah. I trained them well. Yeah. Hey, they got it. I can sit back and chill. So he wasn't doing what he was supposed supposed to be doing as the norm. So he says, "Hey, I'm gonna kick my feet up." You know, hey, they got this. They train well. And then, of course, you hear they destroyed that Ammonite. So David's like, "Oh." They don't really need even, me. He's even, it says he took a he took a nap. Yeah, he took a nap. So he's he like, was okay, just like, he's, hey, he's, he's a warrior, cool. and he's a he's a, he's taking a nap in the middle of the day, or midday, which they're. But he had like fifty nine. I don't even know how many wives. Fifty nine wives. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't need to go take somebody else's wife, no. and that's I don't know how did he end oh, up. Okay. Now see, though, let's let's think about that, right? Because we got we have a level of idleness. And I know all of us have heard the phrase, you know, and the idle mind is the devil's playground, right? Even Andrew, yeah, you know, Andrew mentions that in the study guide. And, you know, now that's not scripture. However, the principle lines up with the word, right? The principle can be, it can line up with the word because you can, and you see a manifestation of it right here. There's a level of idleness. But Sue brings up another point too. It's like, well... Him, him being idle and not being in the position that he normally would be as a king, put him in a position where he can actually he he saw this woman bathing. But now, how did he get to the place where he just sent the, the his, his servant over there to get her, and then he took advantage of the situation and enjoyed her. And after knowing full well, being told that this is Uriah's wife, somebody who is under your charge, somebody who is fighting for you. So so you have different elements going on here. It's not just the the, level of idleness, Mm -hmm. but also, could you say, a level of arrogance or entitlement? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the danger of prosperity, the entitlement thing, I guess. Now, you know, it's, it's kind of, and you look at how people would make the statement, money changes people. Yeah. Now, do we believe that? Is that true or false? It's true. That's true. It can. Yeah. I mean, it can be change you for good or change you for yeah. bad. Yeah, it can be either one. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. That's very true. Good or bad. Okay. Because I've heard I've heard that statement refuted. I've heard people say, well, money don't change people. It just amplifies who you really are. You know, I was going to say that, and I hate to be the no, like five against one or one against five, but I kind of feel like if you really are selfish and not going to give, you know. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it could influence, I'm sure, but I mean, if you're going to be a well, jerk for money, so that's you're going to be a jerk back. I mean, that's yeah. good because it's supposed to be very, it's supposed to be a character hard after God. So you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Because that's not like his normal behavior. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. That is interesting. <clears throat> I, I think just both. Thought of, point out, that's all. Yeah, I think both statements can be true in, in mm-hmm. and of itself, but um, I don't think each statement is. Neither one of them are wrong, but I guess it all depends on the person. I know some have said this is a different subject, but kind of the same idea. Like when someone gets drunk, like, oh, well, they just act that way when they're drinking. And I've had friends. I mean, I told mom about it. I haven't, you know, it's like, just say I'll use an example of a man who gets a little too much, or women too can do it, Mm -hmm. and gets a little too touchy-feely with a female friend or something. I have a guy friend. He's got a girlfriend. I know both of them very well. We've been out on the boat. She was doing something else. I mean, literally, he was very loose, but he never touched me inappropriately. We were in the water. He helped me get on a raft. I know, even though he was a little feeling good and really out of it, he was a gentleman. And I'm like, that proves there's some things going on, I think, sometimes when it's like, oh, they just do that when they drink. I'm thinking like, no, be no veritas. No, <laughs> no that's, that's it why it's not true. truth. Because I, I know a man did the same. There was a personal thing that happened to me too with her. <clears throat> a friend of ours, when he he um, he was feeling it really good, and he's real quiet and very shy. But when he was drinking, he he was still a gentleman. His wife was there; he never dishonored her. But he said more things to me, nothing inappropriate and nothing to cause any problem with her. Mm-hmm. But he spoke more like you know you. I had lost a lot of weight at one time even before. It's just what he said. It's like he was a little more. <clears throat> yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean. Maybe the same thing with money. It's like, you know. But what, right, what they say about it, it's um, like the lottery. You know, you hear Andrew talking all the time. <clears throat> excuse me. People win the lottery and we've heard it ourselves. A year later, they're broke because they really did not know how to handle the prosperity they got. Because it was, they didn't know before. They already had, I just, you know, spin, spin, spin. It's not mm-hmm. balanced. Mr. David was man after God's own heart. He made so many right decisions, but maybe this was like a deeper issue or something. Something maybe he dealt with and it kind of surfaced through this. Just an idea. I mean, I didn't know. Okay. No, but for me, I mean, when you become successful, you know, when mm-hmm. you are on top of the world, I mean, just like, let's say, say you started at the bottom. And you get successful, and it's like okay, everybody's applauding you. Everybody's like, "Hey, you're great!" You know, you get pat on the back, this and that. And like I said, I always and refer to remember um, famous gospel singer Daryl Coley. I mean, voice. I mean, you tell me somebody can sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just can hit any note. And, and he he said this. He says I had to be careful. Um, not to believe my own press. Because he was saying that if I did, it would go to me. Because he was gifted, extremely gifted, not only with singing, but just ministering. I mean, you know, he was gifted by God to do a lot of things. But he said he had to be careful not to allow it to go to his head because if he did, he'd have went. And so and what happens is a lot of times people allow it to get you know, you become puffed up. You just like, look at what I did. You should be saying what I did. Yeah. Look, at, look, I came from the bottom to the top. Yeah. And, you know, when you head begin to swell and people yeah. applauding you and people cheering your name. And so it's, it can be easy to get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. take your guard down. 
And in David's case, hey. Yeah. We all have flashes through, like, it, situations can make it where we're yeah. you know, very tempted to do things, but that's where it's important to stay rooted in, in Jesus and mm-hmm. his character humble. and humble. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I, I like this, this topic here, right? Because it really, it challenges us to think. Because this is David now, the man after God's own heart. But you see, he he even found him himself and himself in a place where he was acting out of character, mm-hmm. right? Now, I want us to kind of think about this whole concept of prosperity. Now, we're gonna go to Proverbs thirty. Now, I want us to think about what we've just talked about, what we discussed, and we're gonna look at Proverbs thirty, looking at verses seven through nine. Proverbs thirty. Verses 7 through 9. All right, I'm going to stay in the New Living Translation. It says, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. Second, Give me neither poverty or nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Now, this is the word, right? We just straight from scripture. Now, does this look like prosperity to you? No, but that was his own. That was his own personal desire. I don't think we have to just say we all need to agree with him, because I don't. I don't really relate to his. Um, I think he's speaking personally. I don't think it's you know. Okay. I think he's just talking about himself. All right. Let me. That's not, I don't relate to. I don't, I don't okay. relate to any of that. Well, let me bulk back at that. Let me bulk back at that because again, we talking about David, right? This is the same man that fellowship with God in the fields when nobody was there, shepherding the, the goats, the sheep, defeating the lion and the bear, defeating Goliath, being faithful in his offerings to the Lord. It's the same David we're reading about here in Samuel, chapter 11. So is there a level of wisdom in, in, this, in what we have here in the book of wisdom in, in Proverbs 30? I mean, I think, I think it just speaks to balance, you know, um, just having a balance of, you know, which then, because I read some other day. You know, the guy was saying, he says, you know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But he said the lack of money is evil, too. <laughs> That's true. Because he so, does say about poverty is nothing good about being broke. I mean, mm-hmm. poor. So, right. he, so it's just about, I think it just, to me, it speaks to balance. You know, yeah, what I was going to say, it's, it's talking about a balance. And when you're raised, and I say this personal experience, I'm just saying this is a part of the testimony from being 
you know, she did the best she could for Biden, you know, single mom, didn't have much. And then you go to church and you hear, oh, that's good. You're supposed to not have much. And then you finally hear someone like Andrew preach one day and go, God wants you to have your needs met. And right. he wants to bless you. He's a good dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, you'll hear the other stream of ministers, which I think that's too extreme of money, 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 money. Everything's money. You know? yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah, like, yeah. that ain't right either. Right. But, then maybe it could be looked this way. Everybody, I mean, God knows everybody's level of what they consider to be up. Prosperity. Yeah. Prosperity. Yeah. That is this one, this wisdom right here saying, give me neither riches nor, you know, I want to be poor, but I don't want to be super rich because that's what you're saying. That I, oh, I don't know why. Super rich. No, no, I'm not saying you. I'm talking about oh, him. Okay. What you just said, what they said, this is, they knew what their level was. Yeah. It's about, but everybody has a level of, if I had a million dollars, I'm rich. Some people go, like, that's true. Just give me, you know, so yeah. I, got, I got money in the bank, you know, a couple thousand coming every couple of weeks. I'm fine. I'd be good. I'd be good. For but my dream now. is I want to write a check to Andrew for $100 million. Here you go. That's how rich I want to be. Just Here you go. $100 million, Andrew. <laughs> but I said, you know, everybody, God knows everybody's got their own idea of what prosperity is but he's praying you know what i pray you know what my favorite uh one of my favorite things i pray every day wisdom and what does wisdom say i love those who love me wealth and riches are in my house so i'm i don't even like i don't pray any of that one of my favorite things every day is i'm in love with wisdom and the spirit of truth. So if I'm paying attention to wisdom and the spirit of truth, that's a pretty good prayer to not get off course. That's good. That's good. So that's my so like I let me just say it again. Like I don't pray anything, any of that. Like that's not who I am. I love wisdom. I'm in love with wisdom. So you already have. You That's what I'm asking for to keep yourself balanced already because you want wisdom. I love wisdom so much. I said, Lord, I don't even understand it. But isn't the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom? Right. And see, and that's the true. I'm not saying yes. But that's that's the true definition of prosperity anyway, if we really look at it, to have access to the spirit of God every moment of every day. That's my dream. That's what I love. Right. And, and as a believer, that's what we have. What did our Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness and all all these mm-hmm. things. All shall be added unto you. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm looking at this and I, I want us to just look at all this. Look at it practically. Because as mighty as David was, as many things he did for the Lord. Mm-hmm. You can see this one instance where that just that just jumps out at you. And like this is this is not the character of God here. Yeah, no. He stepped out of that. Yeah. You know, but and and it's it is a warning to all of us to say, hey, the spirit of you need the spirit of God every moment of every day to yeah, guide no and to protect you, you to, God, to, to keep me. your head on straight. Because see, it's it, you know, for some folks, it, it's easy to kind of sit back and look at it like, wow. I could never do X, Y, Z. But you know what? Under any circumstance, if the circumstances are right, 
anybody is capable of anything. See, to me, that statement is saying you're lacking wisdom because wisdom says I could. Yeah. Wisdom says I would never want to say that. Because this that this flesh is susceptible. This crazy mm-hmm. to think yeah. that? I don't, yeah. This flesh oh, is... I would never do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. The flesh is susceptible. And that's the thing. Because you don't know what it is to have so much wealth and influence to the point where people will just will literally obey your every word. Yeah, that's so true. And that's what they did. That's very true. And how if you are not locked in to the spirit of God and, and have the spirit of humility, know who you truly are and who he is, that stuff can can intoxicate you and corrupt you. Yeah. He lost his first. I think in David's case, it's almost, I believe it was because he's a, you know, he was rich. He was king for a while. He was wealthy for a while now. And I, and David was a warrior, you know, going back to his early days when he went out to serve his brothers and, and the fight was going on in the Goliath. And he's like, He's basically like what everybody's standing around for. You know, we got this giant. Let's go. Let's go take him. He had that kind of mentality. He was a warrior. Mm-hmm. So it seems that for him to get to that point, it was progressive. Look, just kind of looking at cha- uh, chapter ten right before. Well, you see, he sent out Joab in another battle. And then you look at chapter 11, he again sent out Joab to fight another battle. He didn't go in either case. I think the first case, he had to end up, you know, because things weren't going well for Joab. And he intervened and they overcame. But it's like, you know, he's this warrior. All of a sudden, why is he not like, man, battle? Wow, let's go. You know, I'm excited. So it was progression, which I'm pretty sure is directed, because that's the case in all of us, was directed to his fellowship with God, meaning that he probably won't talk and he probably won't spend any time. He probably won't conversing with the Lord like he normally was, like he normally did. And it was a progression till he got to that point. And it even comes right out and say Kings normally go to battle. Well, who was the first one in battle? David always was because of his mentality, because he was a warrior, because, you know, he it seemed like he really enjoyed, you know, a good fight. And he knew God was got his back. So, hey, he knew he wasn't going to lose. So, but that's what seems to happen. And, and then Proverbs written, you know, that's kind of like a natural wise saying. But, but it was written before the day of Pentecost, but now we got power so we can play, we can use that proverb to kind of control ourselves in motion, but we got power, whereas we can be rich and not have to fall because of what's written in Proverbs. We can be rich because we have power. There. We have power from God's Holy Spirit and he lives on the inside of us. 
So just like we we can keep from letting this money overtake us with that same power and then always in fellowship with the Lord. But, you know, being a, being a sports fan, you know, like I said, I remember uh, after he said, you know, got paid all this money, got into the um, NBA, and he said, hey, and he said the mentality was, hey, can't nobody tell me what to do? He, he bought this real fast motorcycle, had no training on how to ride a motorcycle, and people told him, you know, you don't want to do that. Like he said, you when you get to that place, can't nobody tell me what to do because I got the money. I can get do what I want, say what I want. And sometimes that type of thinking comes with that level of success. And he, he ended up and he got on the motorcycle, ended up crashing, messing up his career. But the thing is, when we're talking about the title of Daniel Prosperity, he's like, oh, now I got all this wealth. Now, I don't have to listen to nobody. Because, I mean, I'm not saying this is David. Listen, David is the king. Now, who's going to tell the king what to do? You know, mm-hmm. I'm the king. I'm successful. Things going real well. Hey, like I said, I mean, he had to really push away his thinking. That saw the woman, hey, I want to go get her. Mm-hmm. You know, so they didn't question either. So it doesn't say no, because he's well, that's true. He's, he's, he's that's what I'm saying. No. They didn't, they didn't. Yeah, who's gonna question they, that's them? true, okay. too. They didn't say, Hey, I'm not gonna do that because they helped him sin. Good point. But who's gonna question the king? You get killed, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, either way, both of them, it's he can have you killed. Like, I want what I want, yeah, because we'll the story later with Nathan. Mm-hmm. Nathan knew he knew who he was for him to confront the king like that. Yeah, but he had to put it in a problem. Yep. He couldn't just tell. He didn't really come to David and say, hey, David, you messed up. No, he said, well, let me tell you a story and kind of put it in a little parable. Then once David accused his own self, then he said, okay, yeah, that man is you, David. And David kind of like, okay. Basically, basically David sentenced himself. Right. But and, and that's you know the 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 word, God's word, His rhema came in that moment, it is, and His heart was pierced to see where He was, right. where He had fallen to, right? Because yeah, He gonna stop that and go like, "How dare you talk to me like this? Right. Take him out and and." Kill them. Right. All right. Now, I want us to kind of go to a couple of different places now. All right. But I'm going to read this again. He says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. Right. So this as a king, this is part of God's purpose for him. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, I'm going to go first to Proverbs 27. 27 and 7, and then we're going to go to John 4. Now, verse Proverbs 27, 7. In New Living, it says, A person who is full of, who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. A person who is full 
refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. Okay. Now let's go to John 4. John 4, and we'll start at verse 31. All right, starting at verse 31, John 4 said, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Now, you see, when we talk about prosperity, there is no greater prosperity than being in the will of God, fulfilling the will of God, bearing godly fruit, doing what you're called to do. And you see verse one in, in Samuel. David was not in a place where he was called to be. I mean, when, when we are in the will of God and doing what he has called us to do. There's a level of nourishment there that you can that you know nothing else is going to fulfill. And you notice back when we read Proverbs, a hungry person, even what's bitter tastes sweet. If David was full, he could have sought a bitterness in what he did. But he was hungry, he was bored. And that's why, you know, he's in a position where the lust of the flesh could could overtake him there. Because he's seeing this beautiful woman. I'm the king. I got to get that. But he was out of position. And he's not full. Right. So that really speaks to how we protect our hearts. From the dangers of excess. And the dangers of lack, either side. Because the, at the end of the day, nothing is going to fill us up the way he can, the way he will. Yeah, because that speaks to you can you can have everything in the physical, but still not have fulfillment. Yeah. He said, "What is it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his?" Soul. How many movies we may have seen when you see the, the person who's you know, acquired all this wealth, <clears throat> and they're going around their home and they're looking at, look at this fun stuff I have, and they're not satisfied. They're, it's like it's empty because what is it accomplished? They're just walking around with all their wealth. I've seen, you know, you see movies where they, they characterize them going like, now what do I do? I've got all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I often hear people, even, even on my job, I'm pretty sure y'all may have heard it, you know, what people say, man, if I could just hit the lottery, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and everything will be set. And they don't realize. And yeah. no, they it's not gonna fix everything. No, you're gonna be fixed before you ever touch that dollar. Right. Well I'm saying, you know, they think that it's gonna fix, you know, it may fix everything physically. You may can buy this, buy this, buy this, but it's not gonna do anything no. for you. And of course we know it emotionally and spiritually, mm-hmm. all those things because that's still part of your makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And people understand too. I mean, because we we're just if we just looking at the natural. I I heard a famous rapper once once say, more money, more problems. That's right. All right. So if people don't understand with that with that level of influence with with, with large sums of money, people are gonna be coming knocking on your door wanting something. Yeah, because yes. you didn't know existed. Right. And now and, and if you don't if you're not in, in a position where you know you have the character to kind of to deal with people and how they're interacting with you, you that that can literally take you from a place where you you know you're a little frustrated, but you are right to a place where you're in total despair. Because people who thought you thought were friends. Use and manipulate you. You got supposed to be people that supposed to be family turning on you, mm-hmm. right? Why? Because you know those resources, that money, if we, the way we view it, right? Now, is money evil? Absolutely not. No, it's a tool. It's a resource. It's necessary in this natural world. But we all we have to always be in a position to understand. That's all it is, and that's all it ever will be, is a resource. And see, and the thing about, and the wisdom here, and and we look at Proverbs 30, is that where he says, don't let me be rich or poor. The rich man and the poor man can make money an idol. Mm -hmm. They can become an idol on both sides. That's all they think about. That's all they want. But the emptiness that that comes with that, with serving that idol. Because you got the person that doesn't have it and thinks that all they need to fix their life is to get some. That's where all the energy goes. And you'll 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 rob your mama for. Yep, you don't care about anybody. You don't care. You don't care about nothing. Right. And then when you have it the and same way. Same in the in the same on the other side. It's like, okay, you get to the point where you're 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 obsessed with getting more of it and keeping what you got. Because people are trying to get it from you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I was saying the other day about it's so funny we were talking about this. I was like, you know, it was just a random thought within my head ago. How do people who are rich really find their true love? You know, because I was like, if you if you're known wealthy, I mean, I think if I had like not that I do, but like a billion dollars in my account, it was like five years ago or something, and I was like trying to find somebody, and I go, I don't think I'd want anybody to know that I had money until I married them or like dead serious, you know, or God said like, hey, it's okay, they're honest, because it'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, for my money. <laughs> yeah, you would have to do come in America um, courtship. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Well, see, and that's why people. I love it. That's why people do prenups, man. And I'm like, you know, they say we 
know you really want somebody to use both hands one. I can see why, because if I come in with a million dollars, and then you want to take half, it's like, uh, it's a struggle. So, I mean, I understand why people do prenups, because it's like, like you said, I'm walking in with a million dollars. like, yeah, right. you. Then all of a sudden, you know, and I'm not saying whoever thought that you get tired of me, and it's like, oh, well. They can get pretty, yeah. They are, they, you know, but I just say I understand when people, you know, who are very successful have a lot of wealth. I can understand why they would want to do it. You know, the advances and stuff. Yeah, they were. I mean, the daughters, especially the the ladies, they never did. They kept trying to find somebody that would love them for them, and it was sad the things that happened to them. Like you have a face to look, move somewhere else. I mean, they were super, super wealthy. And yeah, I mean, you get that billion dollars, you know, they, they, all them old guys from high school, they'd be trying to stay be sliding in your DMs. Yeah. How you doing, Julie? You all right? They're they trying to get at you. Yep. You know? <laughs> you have all sense of security. They really love me for me. I mean, they was going to do it. Yeah. Like, you know, deep down, they don't. I just right. they gave all away all my money. That's what I'm saying. And, so, and this is, dang, sorry, it's, it's got me thinking about it. Ecclesiastes, how you can, you know, it's a blessing from God to be able to enjoy the fruit of your labor, right. to truly enjoy it, right? Because like I said, you you could drop $10 billion on somebody, you know, $10 million on somebody in somebody's hands, but don't let nobody else find out, then they ain't going to be able to enjoy that stuff. Because you're gonna have people coming out the woodworks, all the parasites coming out. Yeah. Yeah. No cast your Right. So being able to just to have resources and influence and use it properly and enjoy it. Enjoy the things that you have, the creature comforts. That that takes the Holy Ghost. And it just speaks to the level of, of dependence we have on the Lord, on the Holy Spirit. We need God for everything. We can't do nothing without him. That's true. It's like that's where whether we're saying whether having a struggle with, you know, poverty in any area, not just money, I mean, any right. area of your life or you're being blessed, being rooted in that relationship with God is very important to yeah. Gaius. Yeah. Well, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Lean not on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. In all your ways acknowledge him. And we have this part where it says, like, it, it, will, you know, it will make straight your path. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I said, that just gives it a little more clear. Instead of just, you know, mm-hmm. just regular path. It's like, yeah. he, he's one, ready and willing to go, don't go that way, go that way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, heard this thing. You know, you can, you can be a public success, but a private failure. That's true too. You know, that's prosperity. You know, you can be, you know, successful in your business at endeavors, and then in your relationships, you just as poor. Just think about Robin Williams again. You got to think he is such a big example, a prime example of someone that made people laugh. Yet he was something wrong. To do, it was, it's just so sad to think he made people laugh. 
and yet he was not. Right. And never, I mean, when people, when I heard, it was like, what? Right. Yeah, I had the same reaction. Cause I'm like, Poor man, this, this man from the beginning of Mork and Mindy, mm-hmm. you know, the silly stuff when he was mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, found, you know, this. He was always doing these silly, made you, weird. Made you laugh, and, and he was one of my favorite, like all time. Like he went now doing the Mrs. Doubtfire stuff. Just the mm-hmm. idea that he was making people laugh, right. and yet he was so unhappy. Yeah. Like he just, that was a perfect example. What success completely? Mm-hmm. Like he was totally successful in everything except the private life, and and, and here and here. Yeah, but like so we from the outside again, we want to see we see success, we say, Well, how can they be miserable? Because they got this, they got this, they got this, this, you know, we see all the outward stuff that we say, okay, you know, it makes them happy because they got everything, but yeah, even the closest friends that might have been, you know, really close still didn't know him. And only God knows in here. Especially if they're struggling with something like that, and you were like, I knew he was having issues, but I didn't know it was that bad. You know, you didn't tell. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't, you know, when you have success, you don't want you don't want people to think you're a failure, mm-hmm. so you don't tell them. And and honestly, you know, if you because the the biggest need that all of us have is relationship with God. And if you don't have that and the people around you don't have it either, they can't understand the void. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, if I may mention Philippians 4, I got to think about how, you know, Paul was like, I know how to be a base, I know how to down. Mm-hmm. And then I love, you know, goes down. He goes, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And I thought, to me, it's like the reason he could is he trusted God. You know, he knew God's plan mm-hmm. for him was good. And Whatever happened, he knew it wasn't God doing it to him. Right. He knew if he had a blessing, it was God, and he said, thank God. That's know? right. That's right. I was um, thinking about that. That's good. That's good. Because it's like, you could see Paul, he could praise God with the oodles and noodles, and with the filet mignon. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank hey, you, Jesus, I love the chicken flavor. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for <laughs> the filet mignon. Because regard, regardless of the situation. God is good. Yeah, but he's As Americans, I just feel so rich. I have my Beth Beth and Young candle, and I said, Lord, you and me in this moment, this I feel Beth like Beth this is Beth worth a million dollars. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a I good moment. This, like this experience right now, Lord, mm-hmm. every day with Be my Beth Beth and Young candle, right. I said, this is worth a million dollars to me. That's awesome. It doesn't really take a whole lot to make me happy. Just some coffee and some candle, and I'm happy in the Lord. We can see that's it. Yeah. And and but see, you know, that speaks to, you know, gratitude, how it is also a means of protecting your heart. You know, it's an acknowledgement of like the, the, the good things of what God is what God has done. And it keeps you in a place where you, you know, you, it places you in a place of humility and, and just in pleasantness. It's like, you know what? I really appreciate that candle. I appreciate the fact that I can sit in this chair and fellowship with everybody here and not worry about the building being stormed. 
by government troops, right? So we, you know, us American Christians, man, we, you know, we, it's a lot to be right. thankful that's for. Like, yeah, that's true. Because we don't know nothing about this persecution that our brothers and sisters are dealing with right. across the world, Amen. for real. Amen. And again, you know, and it's not, it's not about whether God wants us to have a creature compass or not. The scripture says the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. However, if your if your heart isn't in a place to enjoy these creature comforts and keep your eyes on him, then those creature comforts are going to turn into a detriment instead of a blessing. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like if I and I'm not a parent yet, I look forward to the venture. But if I had a child, and you know, I want them to have and not ever feel like they're lacking. But if you know, if they got to where they were kind of spoiled and they weren't being grateful, I think I'd be more like, oh, so I'm just going to take stuff from them. It'd be more like to let it be to let them know. It's like, hey, the attitude, you know, I'd be more concerned with like, come on now, I mean, this stuff's not going to fulfill you, you know. It's good, and your dad and I worked very hard for you to have it, but, you know, come on now, you know, you're starting to be what's important, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wouldn't want to take the stuff from them, but just kind of point it out and correct them, like God does to us sometimes. You know, you know, you have that relationship where it's like God's like, hey, you know, yeah, <laughs> okay, Lord, right? Because that gratitude it 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 will keep you from developing that sense of entitlement and arrogance. You know, as if is as, as if God owes us something. Nothing is old to us but death, hell, and the grave. That's what's old to us because of what Adam did and what we fleshed out in our lives, right? But God in his goodness redeemed us and chose to bless us because of who he is. You know, and and, and like, you know, Eric was saying about Brother Coley and, and, and a lot of, you know, ministers, how they, you know, you... Having to having to recognize who they were and who God is, and to stay in that place of humility, in order to to be safe and not be corrupted. I want to read a couple of lines from the outline. It says, "This is the first clue as to why David had this major moral failure. He wasn't doing what the Lord had called him to do." He had lost his vision. One of the things that that had made David such a great man was that he saw himself as God's appointed minister and kept that goal out in front of him. But David had won many victories and the kingdom was now established. He was at the top of his game. Now that the pressure was off, David quit seeking the Lord with the same intensity. He basically became bored. Another couple of points from the outline says temptation is worse in times of prosperity. In hardship, you know you need the Lord. That's true. Right. That's Especially true. for us believers, it's like, okay, you when you when you broke, busted, and disgusted, it's like, okay, you get to a point where you know it ain't nothing but the Lord's the only one that can really help you. Right. But in prosperity, in, in, in material prosperity, the lie of 
self-reliance starts to get a little stronger because you have other options. For example, I think it also comes to we, I think, Christian, we have to be careful how we define prosperity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, how, how does it look? You know, if we get this perception of what the world thinks prosperity is, and we know how they look at it. Yeah. You know, just stuff. But we got to understand that from our perspective, I mean, from God, we have to see prosperity from God's perspective, how he sees it. You know, and like I said, to me, that comes with balance, you know. Not that you broke and came, you know, yeah, you're praising God and doesn't mean that you got to have a lot of stuff, but there's that balance. So, but we got to understand how he sees prosperity. And like I said, it could be different from all of us. I think we talked about that earlier. What is prosperity? Prosperity looks different for me versus me versus Julia versus, you know, Julius, everybody. Yeah. You know, his perception of what prosperity is. And so, and he's, he's just talking about you have to stay focused as to what that looks like and not allow the enemy to distract you and say, okay, you need more of this or you need more of that, this and this and that. Or begin to chase somebody else's, you know, dream. Yeah. Or um, will. Their, God's will for their life may be different from yours. Yeah. 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 Scripture, scripture says that without vision, the people perish. Right. But what what's interesting to me though is like somebody um, like um, Mr. Twitter. Anyway, he's always like trying to do more stuff, which is so interesting. You know what I mean? Like he's always taking his money and venturing out now he's i hope i pray he gets saved but just it's it's interesting how he views prosperity because he's using it for all you know always going after some kind of a new adventure and yeah. um i think if they could have put him in jail by now they would have so <laughs> i don't think he commits too many crimes so it's just interesting how he views prosperity as an, a never-ending adventure what else can I do, you know? Hmm. He's true. not stagnant. I heard, you know, and that's like another, there's a lot of another thing too, I thought about like this evening, you know, talking about finances. I mean, finances has been one of the aspects of prosperity, but I thought about how prosperous our society, especially in America, is with like um, communication, like with phones and things and just, you know, how updated everything is now. And I go, you know, I mean, I'm one of the ones who want to say sometimes, and I'm a grocery cashier, that cell phones can be a bad thing. I mean, I can relate to you're waiting on somebody, you're on their phone, they thank you. That's, you know, it makes you want to say, oh, cell phones are bad. But I go, you know, a cell phone is not bad. Mm-hmm. They're useful. I mean, somebody could be about to commit suicide or something, get on we Facebook and, and see something saying, God loves you. Okay. That's good. You know, it's like, I think the same thing with like prosperity thing. For that, for that. <laughs> you know, it depends yeah. on how you trust God, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Depends on the user. How you use it. Yeah. yeah. Even though fire ain't bad. Depends on how you use it. That's fine. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. that fire, you could use it to cook a T bone steak. Or you could use it to burn somebody's house down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. <laughs> you can't arrest a fire. Right. No. Yeah. 
is the whoever used the fire. That's 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 the culprit. Right? Same thing with money. Right? You can you can use you can use your money to to feed a thousand people or to put five hundred people in homes. Or you could use it to buy to buy ten strip clubs, yeah. and 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 um, buy weed to sell, or buy meth to sell. Or go gamble it away. Yeah, God could give you your dream, like a dream job, a dream husband or wife, kids, whatever, and you could go around being like, God gave me this, you know that you know testimony that. I had this desire for this or that. Right? Yeah, there. it's really more about or that God can that. You can take credit on yourself. Yeah. You know, even God, God gave it to you. And you could like five yeah. years later be like, yeah, I got it myself. That's how I did it. And, you know, God was involved. Yeah, that's true. Because really the joy was about connecting with God and the fact that he, you know, that, that he cares. That he actually did, you know, yeah. after 40 something years of being saved, it's, it's still fascinates me. That he, someone you can't see, is doing stuff. You're like, oh, there was gone, you know. Yeah, it is. So, what would we just gathering from all this? You know, what is, what would you say is the greatest sin, or, the, or the thing that puts us in a place of vulnerability when it comes to prosperity? I think what a great sin is is losing this sense of um, gratitude when you forget where it came from. You forget the life source. Yeah, the real life source. I think that's the biggest sin when you forget where it came from, and so you begin to lose focus as you know this is me, and or you begin to, and then we do it. We all take things for granted. You know, take it for granted and begin to maybe abuse it or like I said, neglect it. And like I said, take it's you. So it's just we forget about that that level of gratitude that we once had. Yeah. I'm one who's big on don't tell me, oh, God is all you need. I mean, God is foundationally, yes, he is the ultimate thing we need, but you need friends, you need money, you need food, you need spouse, kids, if you want that, you know, things like that. I go, but to forget, like you're saying, the gratitude of, you know, this is from God. You know, he is the source, you know. I, you know, trust him, not the stuff that he gave me, if that makes sense. You know, you said prosperity of the service and again, that comes with, what does prosperity mean to each person? Somebody might want to prosper in their health. That's prosperity too. Yeah. When you are in a situation like I was, you think of nothing but your health. Everything else takes a back seat because if you don't have your health, right. nothing else is going to matter. And it made me think of a lot of things. It's taking, you know, prosperity is having prosperity in your health. I heard Crawford, he, he says, prosperity, you're supposed to be, have prosperity in three areas. You have prosperity in your, in your soul I and mean, your spirit, which is being saved. Mm-hmm. Prosperity in your soul, which means your mental, emotional health. Mm-hmm. And prosperity in, in the physical, which is your body. Health. And all the things that come yeah, with so it. he says prosperity is supposed to be in all three areas. 
But it was weird because I could think of nothing but breathing because I couldn't breathe proper. And my heart was not beating proper. And all I cared about was, God, do you know what's going on? I need help. I need help to break through this to get to where I can concentrate. And it was mm-hmm. only him. There was nothing else. Right. I didn't think of nothing else. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about anything. If you don't breathe, you can't breathe. You aren't working. Money, money. None of the rest is going to matter. Yeah, you care about money account. and food and everything else. The rest. I said, when you come down to it, mm-hmm. it's you are yeah, I mean God in it. I'm not talking about He's like right. number one. But I'm just saying because you got that 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 for I know y'all heard that phrase that health is wealth, All right? And you know, again, it just speaks to you know what true prosperity is. And like Eric was quoting um, mm-hmm. Brother Dollar, you know, he's talking about how your spirit, soul, and body God desires for all the all those areas to be whole. Right, the world will offer you one or two, but you know that's an illusion because if you're if you only you could have temporary peace and functioning in one area, but if you if you don't have no relationship with God, you can't enjoy none of the other stuff. Bottom line, right? And then again, you could have money, but your if your body isn't well. How are you going to enjoy the money? Are you just trying to breathe? You just try. You just don't want to be in pain no more. You're spinning it up, trying to get something fixed. Right. How many we heard tell the story to go? I had many, many dollars. It didn't keep them from dying. They spent lots of money, and they still they didn't find what they were the magic potion or you know per se. What did Jesus say? He came that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And everywhere. <laughs> and I tell people that there's a difference between eternal life and abundant life, two different things. So you can have eternal life but not abundant life. Fair you can be a Christian. Yes. Yes. And when you start understanding the eternal life starts now and right. you know, like that. I was just hello if you say that hell. now he goes. People keep thinking, eternal life, right? He says, that's good. He goes, we're going to all go to heaven if you're a child. He goes, oh, God. He goes, but that's not what Jesus meant. He meant, he wants you to enjoy it now, too. Yeah. He said, it didn't say, you know, when you die, you'll have eternal life. Mm-hmm. He goes, it starts now. Yeah. I trust you, Jesus. Because mm-hmm. once you, you know, once you get born again, then, it, you know, you are a child of the king. And that their relationship starts on this side of time and then it it, just, it takes a different form once you step out of time i always thought of it as this is like the dating time you know with like having a relationship with jesus the bride of christ christ i thought you know and i think that's why a lot of people only think we do with god is like wow okay so that's supposed to be the marriage right you know having stuff it's like if you're treating me this way now, you know, but when you know God is good and dating and he's gonna have a nice dinner for you, flowers out, you know, it's that gives such a greater impression of God, you know. Mm-hmm. Now see so you use that analogy and I'm thinking about, you know, wow, you know, how many of us have been guilty of like being being spiritual flirts and like in in, in entertaining other lovers entertaining other, you know, putting ourselves on tender, so to speak, in, you know, spiritually. 
right? Literally, like, you know, and it goes back to what we're talking about, about idolatry, how you can you can get to a place where you're 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 worshiping what the world calls success and chasing that more than anything. You're trusting something else instead of God, basically. Knowing that he has the best for you. You know, getting back to the, you know, going, you know, what we are are talking about, the dangers of prosperity. Um, And going back to, you know, you saying kind of putting yourself on tender or whatever, you know, the analogy that you just used. But I think that, and, and everything that was said seems like the danger is when just as we would seek God as to what to do in poverty. If the riches come, whether it be in health or money or whatever, we need to continue. The danger is not to continue to seek him and what to do with that. Because if you do it within your own will, and even if you're a giver, we need wisdom as to where to give and how to give. Because you can give and you can enable a person to do bad. Yeah. Or if they have a area of challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're steady feeding them money or whatever. That's not wisdom. Um, and, you're, you know, you can cause them more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So even in, I think, the prosperity... I believe that the danger is not continuing to seek God and what to do with it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, so really, what we're saying is the, the the biggest danger then is independence. Being independent from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In any situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> now they are being based. That temptation to be independent. Mm-hmm. Because even if you know you're you're sick and then you get your health back and you're thanking God, now that I am delivered, what would you have me to do with this life that's spared? So whatever type of prosperity it is, just as much as you would ask in the latter. Um, Still seek his wisdom and what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, you know, what she says is good because once you become prosperous, then you, you know, like you said, the, the mind says, "Well, I don't need him anymore. I can do this on my own." Mm-hmm. You know, now I, I got. You know, we tell God, "I got it now. I can take it from here." Yeah. When, when when the absolute opposite is true. Right. <laughs> you need more. Right. Right. It's like, now I got now when I really do it. Right. So not forgetting where you come from. You like we're thinking about the story where Jesus healed the, the ten lepers. Then how many came back to thank him? One. Just that one. One. Yeah. And he says, Jesus says, well, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? But what happened to the one that came back? 
He wasn't only cleansed, he was made whole. whole. That's what wholeness is, is, is abiding in him. That's what wholeness is. Whenever we step out. Yeah. Because when we step out of that, then we're vulnerable again to the moral corruption of the world. What about the guy where he told him his sins were forgiven, you know, about the healing and stuff? And, you know, then he went ahead and he says, just so y'all will know that the Son of Man has, you know, power to forgive sins. And he goes to take a that walk. That guy, I really believe he had a heart issue, like a emotional thing that needed to be healed. And then, of course, the physical healing followed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's close with Psalm 19. Psalm 19, and we'll, let's look at, I'm starting verse 9. Go down to 14. All right, read this in the... Hmm. Read this in the New American Standard. It says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock. And my redeemer. Now you see David's David's heart here. This is the same man that we just read. Stepping out with Bathsheba and doing all that stuff. And you see him here. Because at the end of the day, he always came back. To God's feet. He always, he, he, it was his heart to please him. Even in that moment of lapse, when he got, when Nathan confronted him, the word pierced him. Right? So you're not dealing with a perfect man, but you're dealing with a man that responded to God's word. We said that earlier on that Saul, when he was confronted, sadly, we said a lot of us would be that way. It was, well, I, um, well, he was always like justifying. You, you know what's so funny is I watch these police cam things, you know, body cam things from police all the time. And it's immediately um, when they're, if known they did something wrong, the, the bad guy, as you call it, would be going, I didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? You see a lot of them, and then you see the ones going, I know I made, I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do what you got to do. I shouldn't have been doing that. You see the humble ones, but somebody's like, yeah, okay, let's shift into blame. Shift into blame. 
He goes, what's the Saul shifted the blame. Well, the people made me do it. David goes, I have sinned. I and only I have sinned. Right. And you see, you know, what David is, is asking for here. And this is, you know, verses 13 and 14, you know, these are, is, is protection. Because think about what he says. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. And you know what the word presumptuous means, you know, pride, arrogance, and self-sufficiency. Right? Let them not have dominion over me. And then you got this verse 14. Now, I used to think this is just something what bishops say at the, you know, at the end of the sermon, the beginning of the, 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 the yeah, sermon. Right. But think about, but look at what he's really saying here. Let the words of my mouth, what I say, what I proclaim, and the meditation of my heart, my desires, with my thoughts, be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my firm and in, in, impetrable rock in my Redeemer. So you're making a profession here. Right. Of who God is, who who he who he is, and drawing on him to protect his heart, his heart, his mouth. And that's that should be our prayer as well. And the thing about it is we got an advantage because the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us. And he said he's a permanent resident. He don't visit. He's permanent resident. Hi, right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Okay. Right. Bye. 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 Bye.